Hey there, friends. It's Nick. So there's an oft attributed quote to Seneca, although I have to say, I can't ever remember reading it. Uh, and here it is. It's luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Similar to, to one that I think is Louis Pasteur, who was something like, you know, success favors the prepared mind or something like that. And of course the, the idea is that if you are ready if you're in a position where you can both spot and act on opportunity, you're more likely to be successful. And it's a kind of a, a cousin of this idea that, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you this is because as the thousandth podcast approached, there was a slight increase in the number of people asking me, <laughs> how do you do it every day? How do you find something interesting to talk about every day? And there's a twofold answer to that question. And the first. The first fold, if you like, is really that, of course, I don't find something interesting to talk about every day. Some days, maybe too often, I'm just turning up and saying stuff. And of course, what will be interesting depends on who you are and where you are in your particular journey. It is all interesting to me, I suppose. Um, but whether it's interesting to everyone else, no, of course not. Not all the time, at least. And the other, the other side of the, of the answer is that I make lists. I've talked about this before. You know, I've got a list of ideas and when I sit down, if I haven't got anything in my head, I go to the list of ideas. It's preparation. Preparation favors the, well, success favors the prepared mind. <laughs> Whatever it is, luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity, which may or may not have actually been said by Seneca. Certainly it would have been in Latin, not, um not English. So probably it was a paragraph of Latin rather than a, than a nice English phrase. But anyway, I've got this list going back to where I'm supposed to be going to. And on it, there are two kinds of things, right? On one hand, there's the, the kind of the insight stuff, the nugget stuff, the, the, the lesson maybe that I'm, I might want to drill into my head and therefore perhaps pass on to, to some of you. And then there's the other side of it. There's the vehicle, the vector, the story, you might say, where, you know, when I, when I'm trying to talk about something, I'm trying to wrap it up in some kind of narrative because it makes it, it makes the medicine go down easier. It makes it easier for me to remember the thing. And it also will make it easier for you to remember it and spread it and what have you. Now, sometimes these things arrive together. If you heard the podcast a few days ago about you know, my daughter writing her essay about me leaving her on the, the station platform alone when she was six years old, you know, both the, the, the value, the nugget, the insight about emotion and the story, they come packaged together in that particular example. And when I sat down, I didn't have to do any, any kind of thinking, but often I might be trying to look at this thing that I want to communicate. What's the best story? What's the best vector? How can I do it? So. Part of this list that I've got is just stories. It's just things that happened. In fact, calling them stories might be over-egging it slightly. It's things that I can wrap other things around. So what I thought I'd do today in a very meta kind of way is just look at three of the things that have, that are on my list that I've, that I've either done or thought about over the past two weeks. And that way, when you hear them come up, as they probably will in the next month or two, you better, you better go, I on that. Yeah, that's not real. He had that written down before. 
but this is the way that we prepare, right? We, we get ready so that when the thing comes that fits these stories, I can use it anyway. Let me just give you three quick examples and then we can both go about our business. The first one is, uh, my wife and I went on a long walk a uh, couple of weekends ago, the Jubilee weekend. And I mean, it wasn't massively long. It was eight miles, which is probably the longest I've walked in a stretch for a, for a, a few years. And at the start of this walk, which begins right at the top of the valley that, that we kind of live in, there is a gibbet. And if you don't know what a gibbet is, it's, it's a long, high kind of post from which in days of yore, people who'd upset other people were kind of strung up. In fact, they were put in cages and left to die. Uh, in what I can only imagine is a gruesome, horrible, distressing death. And this gibbet is right on top of the set effectively on top of the, um, on top of this huge hill. I say huge hill. It's huge for, for this part of England. And it's looking down over this, this landscape. You can see for miles. And, um, my wife, of course, when I described what a gibbet actually was, was, was appropriately disgusted. And I said something like, well, there's, but the, on the other hand, they had the view <laughs> now. That made me smile. There is something there. There is something there that I can use later on to, to connect to, I don't know, looking on the bright side, <laughs> looking on the bright side or something. Anyway, there's something there. So there's a long walk that's in my list. Likewise, we've been recently to a reclamation yard near, near where we live. Now, if you're not familiar with what those, those are, those effectively reclamation yards are full of stuff that have been pulled out of old houses. And it might be, um, oh, I don't know, old bathroom sets or wrought iron gates or, um, oak beams or whatever. It's a bit like if you're into old stuff, it's a bit like a kind of Aladdin's cave of bits and pieces, this one near where we live. And we were actually going, we wanted to get some reclaimed sleepers, railway sleepers, so that we could build something in the garden. And so that's where we went and it was fascinating and interesting and what have you. But one of the things that's fascinating and interesting about it to me is that an awful lot of the reclaimed stuff isn't, at, isn't actually reclaimed. The sleepers that we've bought and, and now built a kind of a raised bed out of, they've never been anywhere near a railway, right? They've just not. So there's something there about practicality versus authenticity or something like that. And that, you know, I know that I can use that at some point in the future. You know, likewise, I'll do, do one more. And this is probably the geekiest, most esoteric one, but way back in one of the Star Trek movies, it was one of the new generation, next generation Star Trek movies with the Borg, who were the alien race that, that sort of subsumed everything. They assimilated everything. And they were trying in this particular scene, in this particular movie, they were trying to assimilate, uh, Lieutenant Commander Data, who was of course the robot, the Android member of the next generation crew. I'm saying, of course, because I'm imagining you're as geeky as I am. Anyway, there was a, there was a moment in this movie that really resonated with me. And I just remembered it recently and it goes in the list. And the moment was the, the evil kind of Borg commander woman was essentially trying to, to, to get data to switch sides, to come on with the Borg. And she was seducing him in a sense by by hooking him up to something that he'd never been hooked up to before, because although he looked sort of human, 
he wasn't human and he didn't have access to all of the, the magic of the senses that we have. And what she'd done it really cleverly, I think in the script is that she had him hooked up to a little patch of skin, a little patch of, of human like skin. I, I think I remember there being kind of airs on it, like little hairs, like, like we all have. And, um, she was saying she could give him essentially humanity and what she did, and I'm about to do it now on my own arm. So you can follow along if you want to, is that she just blew across the patch of skin. And for data, this was almost like a, an orgasmic experience, right? It was something that, that he'd never experienced before that sort of subtlety. And actually, if you do, if you do it, I'm going to do it again. If you do just blow gently across the skin on your arm, you get, you know, you, you get a sense of magic. You get a sense of what it must be like to be a robot and then to suddenly have that kind of subtlety, that nuance of feeling. Now, I don't know where that will fit. I don't know what nugget I can attach to that or what piece of insight I can attach to that, but there's something there. There's something there about unlocking emotion or sensation or there's something there about detail. I might say, for example, that what they did in that cleverly in that script is they took this, this major thing, which was, are you going to come and come and be with us? And they took, took it down to something that, that data had always wanted. He wanted to be human. And there was just this, this very clever demonstration. And I've just, I've just sort of slipstreamed it slightly by, by suggesting that you blow across your arm, right? Because it puts us all in the same place. So there's something there. There's something in each of those three things, the long walk with the gibbet, the reclamation yard and data's skin. And maybe I'm just proving that I'm a massive geek, which to be fair, I'm okay about. Anyway, thanks for listening. Remember that your story, particularly if you write them down, they mean business. And if you want to dig deeper into the stuff that I do, search online for story.business. Bye now.